get a tool. All right, I apologize for the lagging there a little bit. My uh, wife my wife, I was down just then when I was trying to play that. <clears throat> so I'm not quite sure how that came through. If it came through shoddy or kind of like we're underwater, I apologize. My wife goes to but as soon as we come back. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Share this out, share this out, share this out. Oh, wait a minute. Now that video started on the phone over here. Let me stop that. Got a problem here. Yeah. You're breaking up, Leonard. Yeah. Remove yeah. that. Yeah, sorry about that. It's the, my Wi-Fi is dipping down. If I can in, increase my... Let me see if I can increase my uh, signal here. I apologize for that. My Wi-Fi, I live where I have four aircraft or four uh, uh, air bases around, two international and two military. And so whenever I have military fly over my signal goes down even though i'm paying for like the second fastest uh, uh high-speed internet you can have on the planet besides you know military so i apologize for that um so we are back and i am uh, full strength finally i apologize uh, it might cut in and out a little bit you guys will be fine when that happens but i won't <laughs> so if that keeps happening i'll just be quiet okay so welcome guys this is orion rising i am your host leonard o'neill share this out share this out share this out right 
So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Make sure you share this out. Jacob Waters, welcome, my friend. Jake has his own podcast as well. I see Denise is out there. You guys share this out. We're on a, a Tuesday. We're not normally on a Tuesday. I usually do Wednesday and Friday, so it is an impromptu day, but I did advertise it, so please share this out. Um, we're here today to promote our alien ancestry. Uh, let me put up the banner here so that you guys can see what we're talking about on the screen. Uh, and I have, you can see, I have the uh, everybody except for Leah. Leah is uh, just gone to sleep, so it's very late for her, so she won't be here to talk today. But I have all the other guests. Our Alien Ancestry, Mystical Ways and Historical Days, Chapter 16, live on-air conference is coming up this weekend. If you're in America, it will be on Saturday. If you're in Australia, it will be on Sunday. The times are on the screen and the price. And I have with me all of the speakers that are going to be on that live conference, the chapter 16, and most of you out there, if you know Stephen and Evan Strong, you are familiar with all the other chapters that they have done. They're up to chapter 16. I myself is going, I'm going to be speaking. Dr. Rita is going to be speaking. Uh, Paul and Phoebe are going to be speaking. And of course, Stephen and Evan will be speaking. And Leah, who uh, is not here with us, she's also going to be on there. And I believe she's hosting and speaking. Am I correct, guys? Yes, she's doing yeah. both. So, yeah, so she's got a double duty, which is what I'm doing today. <laughs> right? So let's start. Let's start with uh, Stephen and Evan, right? Let's let's start with you guys. And just in case somebody who listens to this don't know your background, give us a history of your background and then give a little bit about what we're going to talk about uh, on uh, the weekend on this conference. And then we'll go around the room. We'll do Rita next and then we'll do Paul and Phoebe and then I'll talk last. That way I can shut up and I don't occupy the whole day, right? <laughs> Okay, well, I've, my biggest problem is shutting up too, so I'll try and make this as brief as possible. I'm renowned for it. Uh, look, very simply, our situation is that um, our journey begins when we're given ceremony by one of the greatest elders in Australia, Kano Walker. I can now say his full name because I'm allowed to, aren't I? Yes, yeah, that's are. been decided for the last four years. We never used his last name. He gave us ceremony and gave us the right to go on to country around Australia and find the real truth about the history in this country in Australia. And you'll find that the history in this country is, has been hidden as it is in every other country on yep. this planet. So our job primarily is to not to walk onto country with an agenda, but to walk on country and then listen to what the elders say, get the answers off them and then create some questions and make a story around that. So we don't walk onto anyone else's place and say go there with any predisposition. In fact, often we go on to country where we deliberately don't know what we're looking for. And I find that's the best way to go. We'll spend a lot of time just um, wandering around with a vague idea of where to go. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, <laughs> we end up finding stuff sometimes. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. yeah. We often go on to country. I know Paul and Phoebe have been on country with us a few times too. <laughs> we always take psychics with us. Um, and we also take science with us. And to put it simply, um, what happened was the Ram and Jerry had read our first three books and knew that we could do the science. They knew they could do that. And what they asked us to do, and I remember when I was given ceremony, a proper ceremony by Kano, when he was dancing and singing stuff, he spoke in English on one occasion, whispered in my ear, that my job was to convince the white fellas and those people thinking like white fellas because that's really a, a it's not really a color thing it's more a conditioned thing 
to give them evidence that makes them wake up and makes their genes wake up and makes their spirit wake up to the truth. So primarily, that's what we've been doing. Uh, the 16 chapters we've done so far are all based around, I think the first seven were based leading up to a ceremony at Uluru on the 21st of December last year. And all that have followed relate to that ceremony. The whole of this ex exercise, all 16 chapters before and after, is based around what happened to Uluru. Um, and I know uh, when we're leading up to that ceremony at Uluru, the only thing I guarantee people about the ceremony was that we had no idea if it was really going to work. That was the one thing we made clear from start to finish. And I don't want to speak for too long, but what I can say is that what has happened is on that day we found out it did work. And as you probably know, Leonard, we have quite a lot of empirical evidence, yeah. film, particular photographs and other things that are actually very hard to argue against that prove that actually took place. So that's primarily what we've been doing. This particular chapter, which is number 16, has as its theme America. And the reason we've chosen that, and I, I want to apologize to people from Yugoslavia and, and England and all over the world. I mean, I, we didn't just deliberately leave you out. But it's our belief, our belief that Australia and America are tied together in ways that the other countries aren't. And in particular, the last two great custodians of the old ways, the old law and the old spiritual ways, the last two countries to fall out of that or fall into the trap of what we have today were Australia and America. Yeah. Up until about 1600, until Columbus to begin with anyway, America was pure, and up until 1770, Australia was pure. We were the last two countries to go under, and we will be the first two countries to wake the world up again. So we decided we need to do America right now, and it's quite interesting because we just got evidence because there's been so many pieces of archaeology in America that indicate the Australian original people were there well before yep. the second group that came. Yep. But then there was some evidence that came up in the last two weeks where they've given up and they finally agreed, yeah, no, we've got to go back 20, 30, 40, 50, 200, 500,000 years. It's done and dusted. The history of America is far greater and longer and far more important than people understand. So we decided it was time to focus just on America. At least that was our intention, wasn't it? <laughs> Which we will still do. But sorry, we will still do it. But just in closing, um, and we'll probably come back a bit further later on because I want everyone else to have a talk first before we get back to that. Um, we've made a major detour in that. Yes, we're still going to talk about America ourselves. We're going to do that. And every, all of the others, including Paul and Phoebe, have done a lot of spiritual work in America. They'll also reference that too and then bring us back to Australia, which is why they're speaking last. But um, something did happen, and we'll get back to it later, where that first ceremony that happened on the 21st of December, when the summer solstice was at its peak and when Saturn and Jupiter were in alignment, it's been made very clear to us that that must continue and it's been made clear to us in particular 
that on the summer solstice on the 22nd this time, isn't it, for us? 21st for America, 22nd for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a second ceremony will be held, and we'll talk about that further down the line. So it is all about America, but with a detour. We've got to come back to Australia again because that ceremony, which will be directed at Uluru again, has become has as pressing as it was to begin with. So that's primarily what we're going to talk about. And um, if we get a chance, we'll get back to exactly why it was we've had to make this unexpected detour. Because I can tell you, if we spoke a week and a half ago, Leonard, I had no idea that this was going to happen. And we had intended... When we did this ceremony, this particular one, we were going to stop until next year, weren't we? Yeah. We weren't going to do one in December because that's a fairly busy time with Christmas around. We had no intentions of doing that. But we don't run the show. I've got to make the point that when we go on to country, we are beholding to the elders. And this is where it gets tricky. We're also beholding to the artifacts and the sites. They have a say in this too. And they made it very clear to us about a week and a half ago a second ceremony will be needed. So that's basically what we're doing at the moment. And I'd like the others to have a chat before we come back. Okay, so let, let's just go right around the room. Let's go to Dr. Rita Louise. And why don't you go ahead and give us a background on you, just in case people don't know who you are, and then how you got involved in this, and then what you're going to be talking about, a little bit tidbit about on the weekend, Okay. Okay. So I'm Dr. Rita Louise, and I am a medical intuitive and naturopathic physician. Um, I am an expert in understanding the human condition, including the makeup of the subtle body. Um, I'm able to feel into people's energy, feel into the energy of the planet, and assess what's going on, and then, you know, am able to communicate that back. And so one of the things that I've done for years is just really look at the vibration of where we are, where the people are, where the, the energy of the vibration of the planet is. And it, that gives you kind of an idea of like, are we moving forward? Are we stuck? Where's the anxiety sitting? Where is it not sitting? And so, um, you know, and it's interesting because I got to know Evan and Steve because I had my own radio show, Just Energy Radio, and have written on uh, ancient aliens, and not really about ancient aliens, but about sharing the myth, uh, the mythic story, the global story, um, which if you read it, you can't really get around the fact that they're talking about aliens. I mean, it, there's no other way to address it. And so um, that was kind of my introduction to them and into that whole genre. So I think it's really fun and really interesting that we are taking kind of a somewhat spiritual look at what's going on in connection. And, and Steve, I wanna make a comment to something that you were talking about earlier. Um, I think that the feeling I get about that ceremony is that one of the things that it's doing is helping to anchor humanity back into the planet you know, and making it so that we can be here and not be uh, floating around <laughs> in the in the ether, even though we still have a body. And so I agree with you. I think it's a very important ceremony. You know, it would I wish that it was something that, you know, would be uh, televised so that people could participate in it 
anywhere they are. All right, he's fine. I know you can, but you know, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to throw this out. But if people knew when it was happening, then they could maybe do their own personal ceremony in support. <laughs> Just saying. Right. <laughs> um, so you want me to talk about what I'm going to be talking about ish? Yeah, ish. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, I'm talking about where we are right now, you know, and again, I really am in tune with people's emotions and feelings. And this has been some very trying times. And so what I'm going to be talking about is what's going on. I think people are having these experiences and they don't understand. And so I'm going to try to bring some understanding about what's happening to them. Because once you understand what's going on, then you can do something to change it. But I think a lot of people feel like they're floating around in space and don't know how to fix it. And so that's going to be part of it is to make it be more better. And that is like just such a little teeny tease about what's going on. Right. <laughs> right. Agreed. Yeah. So if you guys want to find out more about, I know we're sounding kind of cryptic, but that's the whole purpose of that. So if you want to hear more about what Stephen and Evan were talking about and Dr. Louise, and then you're going to hear from, from Paul and Phoebe here in a second. And then myself and yeah, we're all going to be cryptic because we have a show coming up on Saturday or Sunday, depending on where you are in the world. So let's go ahead then and let's move over to, to Phoebe and, and Paul and have you guys give us the same thing. Give us some background first, start with that, how you got into what you're doing and then a little, and then a little ish about what you're doing <laughs> for, wow. for the, on the, on the conference. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I, I've been uh, aware of spirit from the time I was very little and um, I'm, remember when I was very young um, going out of body and waiting under my bedroom window for my other spirit friends so we would go and play together so I've had that with me all my life and it's my family and whatever thought it was a bit strange <laughs> but we've had that connection all our life and um, and then family came along and uh, with the previous husband and uh, I sort of pushed a lot of that aside even though I've been aware of a lot of what's been going on on the planet for a very long time and I sort of pushed that aside and but it kept coming back kept coming back and then one day um well my previous husband and I were having lots of problems our paths are diverted and one day a, a very special friend of mine came in and he said I've just done a reading and you're about to meet your soulmate I went what <laughs> And, and I, I had I'd planned on having this amazing time to myself with my children and next minute in walks Paul into my life and it's been a magical carpet ride <laughs> since then and we knew that we were that the universe actually conspired to bring us together and uh, it took a long time to do it but <laughs> But they brought us together and we've been on these amazing journeys and that's part of what we'll be speaking about too is to to show people that when you walk in trust and you walk in alignment this amazing world opens to you and 
going to stop there and let Paul talk. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks, guys. Uh, Evan and Stephen, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, we were told when we finished our journeys in, gosh, uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but 2012 uh, took us um, eight years and 12 countries to complete our journeys around the world to the elders. Uh, and an elder, right at the end, uh, we said we finished. He said, no, you're just beginning. <laughs> and those, it, it echoed in my mind. And yet this uh, opportunity to speak is the first time in 10 years that we've actually spoken really uh, about our journeys. And I think one of the reasons for that is is the timing. Um, and again, Steve, you, you talked about the uh, on YouTube that, that uh, young girl that was going through a hard time and uh it's the lack of i believe the lack of ceremony that that needs to come back uh and i think it's the time that the you know the, that the ancient cultures have kept this beautiful wisdom earth wisdom for us for this time that we get to share it <clears throat> so that's what we'll be doing a bit of on the on the weekend um our journey is not about us it's about trust in yourself we always say that everyone has a, a coach inside a 24-hour coach you don't need coaching you just need to listen and everyone has a journey everyone has a reason for being there are no spare people on the planet and now is the time to get out there and make it happen because we've all got this dream now well many people have this dream to to birth a new world and, and this is what the ancient knowledge is about so um yeah for our, our journey has all been about trust uh, complete trust complete intuition and we don't move until spirit tells us to move. And if that's 10 years, then that's 10 years we wait. Right. I love <laughs> that you said that because more and more people are waking up to understand that, but not as many as we would hope as fast as we would hope. So we still have to help some people along uh, until they want to listen. You know what I mean? And, and it's just what we need to do, right? I mean, I had a priest that his name was Father Neil. And uh, we were, I was, when I was, uh, before I was recovering Catholic, when I was uh, Catholic, well, we were going around and showing people the church and the Beatitudes. And someone said, Father, thank you for doing this. You've sacrificed your whole life. And he said, I'm only doing this because you need me to. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what, what? A priest just said <laughs> that? And he said, when you, in your mind, you are your own guide. And when you ask for forgiveness from the Lord, you are forgotten. You don't need me. I'm not the Lord. I'm just the conduit. I'm here for those of you who need a human who is connected to God to tell you God said it's okay. But truth is, God said it was okay. and You don't need me to tell you that. But those of you who do is the only reason why I have a job. <laughs> That's what he, said. he said, my job is to put myself out of business. If I can yeah. get everybody to understand that they don't need the church, then that's what Jesus was preaching. But the church would be mad at me if I started preaching too much. <laughs> right? True. Yeah. Yeah. And within, See, our, can do that. within our clinic, we work um, constantly. With, um, I'm an acupuncturist and counselor and hypnotherapist. So we've been in this job for, oh, gosh, 35 plus years. Yeah. Seen a lot of people coming through. But the, the heartening thing is that we would get this uh, a conversation about spirit. Uh, probably once a, uh, every couple of weeks with one person. I had two rooms going. One I'd be talking about the footy, and the other one would be talking about aliens. And I, <laughs> I couldn't cross the conversations. We had to keep right. them separate. Uh, but now, you know, there's so many people now asking questions. Just about everyone that's coming in now are beginning to awaken that we see. So 
that's that's a microcosm of the macrocosm i think that is going on so and they're looking for for guidance on on how to deal with what's happening right now and and whether we are going to come out the other side um and of course we are but they need to know how to do it to actually mm. take the steps yep. to get there yeah, Omar mentioned, uh, we were talking about that. Stephen talked about it earlier. Let me put that up on the screen. Omar mentioned that, you know, he did a really good, in fact, I was helping him with that um, back then, working for Omar, helping him do that. They put on a huge event for that uh, last year, and he was working with Stephen and Evan, I believe, and if not, he was he still, he did that. So it was great to see that, and like he says here, it was great to see the world come together. Uh, you know, and the, the what is it, the, the resonance of the planet shifted, and I always forget how to say that, that guy's name. Uh, oh, the Schumann uh, resonance. Yeah, Schumann resonance was incredible, and Omar showed that. So, if mm. you guys want to go to his archives at Watchers Talk, you can see that he actually took the uh, the the live what was going on yeah, right then and said, "Guys, look at here's the Schumann resonance for right now," and it was plus three or, or almost up to thirty percent. It's usually only around give or take three percent, and it was just huge spikes mm. in energy across the world that entire twenty four hour time period. It was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. Well, the so, human resonance is, is actually um, continually going up now, and, yeah. and it's actually picking up on the or on our um, evolving. If you want to, if you want to well, and that. you know that's that's absolutely true, and it's kind of what some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about myself on mm -hmm. on the weekend, because. Um, people, when you ask a, a, a physicist, scientist, what is gravity, they they go, well, um, we don't know. That we think it's because the planet's turning and because it's turning, it's generating energy and that creates a, and I'm like, okay, you're, you're kind of onto it without the mysticism involved to understand it. <laughs> and, and that's the truth of it. The, because what the gravitational pull is directly related to the spirituality and the resonance of the human beings on the mm -hmm. planet. The more we are spiritual, the stronger the pull is towards the center because as if you read all of the, any of the texts uh, from anywhere that haven't been thrown away or they tried to throw them away and got them out of all the Talmuds, you'll find out in there that it has to do with the three, six, and the nine. It has to do with the zero point. It has to do with, you know, the Jesus said it, Thoth said it, many other people in that pantheon, in, this, in that character uh, that is the hero character or the savior character is talking about that. And so... The way to God, according to the Thoth, is through the center of the earth. The gravitational pull is all pulling towards the center of the earth. It's because the spirituality of us and the cyclical nature of the universe, um, the planet itself has that aura, and the central point of that is the same as the central point in us that's at our heart chakra. So we generate that energy, and they have a hard time in the mainstream understanding that mm -hmm. that, that is what they called the force in Star Wars, it's the energy that binds all of us and connects all of us in the entire universe, and and that is gravity. That is that 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 Schumann resonance that comes from us. That then goes in the planet itself. Everything that is alive has that. I know I'm going on. I'm going to take my time to talk about that instead of uh, uh, you know talking about my background, <laughs> right? So I agree with what you're saying, and see that that comes from a, a spiritual place where the scientists, main scientists, don't want to have any part of that. And because of that, they'll never figure out the universe because they will, they're denying uh, the creator. And, and if you read any of the text, it says that. It says in a few of them, if you deny the lamb, which we know that traditionally Jesus has been associated with the lamb, to deny the lamb is to not even be able to find the door. 
because the lamb is the key. And Jesus said that he didn't say, he said the way to God is through me. What he was, what he was there was the number 13. He was the controller. He was being the one he had the 12 apostles around him and he was the central point. So that's the three, six and nine. And the natural progression is the nine goat becomes the 12 or the 13, one plus two. And that equals one. That's the center. And I know that sounds really crazy because the math gets really fuzzy there. But on a spiritual level, people, when you get there, you understand that. It's like high magic. So Jesus was the one. He was being the one at that point. So his character was the savior character, the hero character. And I'll get into more details what that means on uh, the weekend when we talk about that. So <clears throat> like I said, my background, if you guys don't know me, I've, I've spent my entire life learning about spirituality. I have been my entire life chasing UFOs. And I agree with what Paul said, where you have to separate the, the UFO and the spirituality, uh, you know, between people, because they, the, I had to do that with magic and, and non-magic users in a spiritual setting, the same spiritual setting. I have groups that are, uh, that are developing psychic skills, and you have these Christian fundamentalists who don't believe in aliens, and they think they're demons, and then you have other people who are open-minded into uh, you know, spirits beyond us, and they, didn't, they clashed. I had to separate them from the two groups, even though they were both about the same thing. One didn't believe in magic, and the other thought they were, the other one group was too close-minded. So I had to split them up and keep the conversation separate. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> It's funny. So that's what I'll be doing a little bit of. I'll be talking about that and the correlation between uh, the creation stories of uh, the of the not just the world that we live in, but off world as well. OK, so that I'll be getting into that. So my backstory is that I've been knighted by the Roman Catholic Church. I'm a minister in that church. I'm also a minister through uh, uh, the uh, uh, Universal Life Church in Phoenix, Arizona. I have a, um, a, a, a Jedi Knight title. You can go to the Jedi Temple in New Zealand and find that I'm, I'm listed there. And a Jedi Knight is the same thing as a priest, same thing as a, I also have a, a Druid title, a Merlin title. I was, was given down through the ages from my family because of being a European. My father had the Druid title and, you know, and I got that too. So I, I would be considered a Merlin, which is a priest in that religion. Um, that that's my background in the religious uh, mystical sense and i've been chasing ufo's since i was i can remember when i was a little boy we saw one and from there i just continued to to chase it as a hobby the rest of my life mm-hmm. and i still and i still do that right so omar just came back from with his watchers talk a motif up so you guys can see there's omar with uh, as uh, coming in to talk as watchers talk uh, like I said before, you guys can go and take a look at his links to last, uh, you know, the 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 uh, show that we did on the solstice, or he did on the solstice, and Stephen and Evan did on the solstice, uh, where they where they actually got pictures that I saw. Was I, I Stephen didn't get into details, and I and because of that I'm not going to. But some of the stuff that he has to show you guys, if you haven't already seen this stuff, it's going to blow your freaking mind. <laughs> okay, if you haven't already seen what he what they've shown me. What we've talked about, what they showed last year, you guys will really be astounded. So uh, let's go back around the room. Steven, you said you had some more stuff to cover. So how about we go well, jump yeah. back to you, right, and it, let you go. It sort of relates to what you guys have been saying, and in particular what Dr. Rita said about uh, an anchor. We need something as an anchor. And I, I'm going to try and make this as quick as I can, but there is, it, I've got to go through a little bit of a story to get there. Look, that, that ceremony we did last year was the most important part of our work. 
all the other stuff we've done led up to it. And, yeah, we do have a lot of amazing proof. I mean, that's given. I mean, yes, the Schumann resonance increased 100-fold at 732. And, yes, we have film of Uluru exploding in light that comes out of the rock but doesn't touch the rock at 736. And there were around at least 15 million people meditating at that time and it did start the story up. And, yeah, we've got pictures of UFOs flying above. We've got pictures of the cloud turning into a rainbow with a deep blue patch in the centre. There are so many pieces of evidence there. And I remember we did a ceremony at Uluru and we had about 80 of the rocks aimed directly at Uluru. And even as I did that ceremony, I made it clear I still wasn't sure. But after that ceremony, I was incredibly sure of what actually happened. But you're right to an extent, Rito. Yeah, we had people sort of staring in the distance try, and they didn't have an anchor. Well, that's changed. That's what I'm going to talk about now because I really wanted to make sure people knew what we were going to do in that one. But the second one we're doing, which I know you guys are going to help stream out, is free. Okay, all you've got to do is register. We don't charge anything for this because, in fact, it's going to cost us money to put it on. We're going to make a loss out of this, but that's not the point. The point is this. After that ceremony, I thought we were going to do what Paul did, which of Paul said he had 10 years of just basically standing back and watching the show. I thought that was it for us. I thought we'd done our bit. We were asked to get a certain number, and we exceeded that by a factor of over 10. And I thought, well, that's it. It's done. I'll watch the two roads that the hobby, sorry, that Mayans talk about or the fast-flowing river that we jump into or we don't. We'll watch that happen. And by God, have we seen two roads since then? That one's for sure. We got that up. And anyway, look, what happened was about a week and a half ago, um, I was reading what's called the Sydney Morning Herald, which is the major newspaper in Australia. And on the front page... I don't know if I brought the picture. I'm not oh, sure if I, I actually bought it. No, I didn't. On the front page, and I'll show it on the day. Any, well, we've got to keep some things for the day, Leonard, so that they will right. come for it. <laughs> right. That wasn't deliberate. There was a picture of this young girl, and she was the co-captain of Roseville High School. Now, I've got it. Oh, no, secondary college, because this is a bespoke place. It's near Bondi. It's in Sydney. And she's an attractive young lady. She's 17 She's been chosen as a school captain. Her life, everything looks great. Everything ahead looks great from her point of view. But the look on her face on the front page was really upsetting. There was just that, a complete loss of everything. There was no glint in her eyes. I, I got my wife and Evan to look at the picture, didn't tell them a thing about it, and said, describe what you saw. My wife said, mistrust. And, Evan, you said weariness, didn't you? Yeah, weary. Yeah. Well, look, honestly, and I'll read this more on the day. I'm going to keep a few things free. I then read the article, and the article was what these kids were doing is the higher school certificate. Now, I've been a high school teacher, a primary school teacher, and I know the last two years of school are the social highlights. They've got cars. They're allowed to drive cars. They have parties, and those two years are supposed to be the best two years of schooling. It's what you build up to. And she was shattered. And she spoke about the fact that everyone had lost motivation. They'd lost spirit. They were frustrated. They didn't care anymore. 
and you could see it written over her face. And she's supposed to be a success, but she wasn't. She was suffering. And what people need to understand that what will come out of that is that will stay with her for the rest of her life. And that worried me. And I'll read it in more detail on the day because I thought to myself, this is wrong. As a school teacher, those last two years are supposed to be things that form these kids for the rest of their life. And you could see what was being formed there. She said, spoke about a complete lack of motivation and she wished that they call the exams off and just call the whole thing off. Because for those two years, what had she experienced? Lockdowns, yeah. no parties, no socials, wearing a mask. Sometimes you're at school, most of the time you're homeschooling. It took all of the joy out of this, these children, young, young adults. It took it away completely as if we stole it off them. I'm not going to make any comment about whether you put something in your arm or not. I don't care about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the solution is worse than whatever else happens after it because we had actually ruined this child and all of the children's lives. And then it struck me, this is wrong. This is so wrong because the children are our future. And look at our future. It's unmotivated. They lack spirit. They lack involvement. And then it got worse because two more things I need to add to it before I lead up to what actually happened. I then spoke to a friend of mine the next day and he told me about his grandchild who's four, hasn't been to school, ladies and gentlemen, should not be tainted by this, we think. And he spoke about the fact, because he can't go and see them because that's another state and all states are locked down. We can't talk to each other. We're all different now. We've all been divided into two groups. And he was talking about this kid as a lovely kid, not an aggressive bone in his body, doesn't punch, doesn't fight, doesn't do any of that sort of stuff. Very emotional. And in the middle of the conversation about Lego, this kid says, I hate C something, something D. I'm not going to say the word because then we get kicked off. Right. I want to kill it. I want to kill it. The kid's four and he wants to kill something. And I thought to myself, my God, they're going in broken and they're going to come out more broken than these kids. And I thought to myself, and by the way, since so-called lockdown has stopped in our state, 15% of the schools have been locked down again. So it's never going to go away. And every day they go to school, they're wondering, will I be seeing my friends today? Shall I socially distance? Will I wear a mask? All these things become part of their life. And I thought, this is wrong. And now I've got a five-year-old that's saying the same thing. And then the piece de la resistance. The same Sydney Morning Herald that put up the front page picture of this kid saying, I hate everything. They realised, because they're spokespeople for mainstream, they realised what had happened, hadn't they, Evan? Something had snuck in through the back door. That was a, so, a mistake. Oh, that was a mistake. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. They fixed it up. A gentleman by the name of Malcolm Knox, a very high-level correspondent for the Sydney Morning Herald, put up an article to say that it was the parents who were suffering, not the kids, and that was the headline. And he became the official spokespeople person for all of the students. And he said this, and I'll read it properly because we're going to keep a bit on the day, but I want to give a moment, an idea what he said. He said, basically, the kids can adapt. They love change. It's the adults that can't do it. And they've 
sort of externalized their fears and made the kids think that, but they don't really. They love change. They can adapt quickly. I thought to myself, gee, I, only, I was only a teacher for 35 years, so what would I know? I was a principal. I've been a head teacher. What would I know? And I, this is 101 for teaching. When you go and start learning teaching, the first thing you're taught is two things, predictability and stability. If your classroom isn't stable, there is unrest and chaos. That is a guarantee given. If the kids don't know what's going on, they will react. But according to Malcolm Knox, no, 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 they would love that. So I've been teaching the wrong way all the way through. I thought I was quite successful, but I made them feel comfortable. Well, that's not what they want, do they, Evan? No, they want no, no, they don't want that. So we got the adults telling us the kids are not suffering. We've got the kids telling us they are suffering. And I thought to myself, this is wrong. This has got out of control. What happens to the adults? I don't care. We can deal with it. But it's the kids I'm concerned about. And that night... And this is where it gets tricky, ladies and gentlemen, and some people with scientists are going to say this is absolute crap. The rocks, the rings, the alien skulls, which the government knows about, have banned us from talking about or showing it or analysing it. All of those things spoke to me collectively and said, we want to be involved in fighting back. And I thought myself, fighting. No, we've got rocks that could kill anyone, haven't we, Evan? Yes. And we know that. We've seen what they've done. I've got rocks, I could use them and kill anyone I want. But I said, I'm not going to fight. So what I did that night is I went to bed and I took a ring, a rock, and the skull of the alien, the no-forehead ones that don't have foreheads but have massive brains. And we've spoken about that before. Yeah, I took yeah. them to bed and gave them an ultimatum. I don't have a plan. How are you going to fight? How are we going to fight? I don't want to fight. And in the morning... I woke up and I've been told to say what I'm going to say now. What they want to do is this. They told me that last December on that solstice, the rock exploded. I accept that now. I know that happened. We were there. We saw it. We experienced it. We know that actually did happen. But they now said they want to do something. They want to fight, but not fight in a negative form. And I'm not, I'm all for protesting. I'm going to go to a protest next week. But what worries me about protests is when the people get up, they start yelling and there's anger and frustration inside. And I can see it and I can feel it. That is not what the rocks and the rings want. That's not the fight they're after. What they want is this. Instead of just putting the rocks in formation, I have to put everything in there, the pendant, the Egyptian uh, Nefertiru, the son of Khufu, that's got to be in there. The bones from the alien, the bones from a, an archaic Homo sapien, they've got to be in there too. The rings have got to be in there. And I quite recently, um, Phoebe and Paul have offered some amazing sacred objects to put inside there too. It is going to be a combination of every magical object and powerful object that we have in Australia in one circle, and it will be facing Uluru. And what we're saying to people is this. We want you to join us again. And by the way, they want to do this three times. This will be done this year on the 20, 21st, is it 22nd? 22nd. 22nd. 22nd and the year after. And on each occasion, we're asking people. And what we're going to do this time, Dr. Reader, is we're going to give them an anchor. We're going to telecast this for an hour. And what I'm going to do for the first 20-odd minutes is introduce you to some of the new players in this circle. 
And then when it gets to that time, we will step away for the next half an hour. And if you wish, and we tried this once last time, it did seem to work, but this is much more powerful this time. This is every bit of it. We want you to focus to those rocks or focus to Uluru and give the same amount of positive energy as before because the planet needs it. It's being overladen with negativity and suspicion and division and hatred towards each other where we are fearful of people. We are fearful of the air we breathe right now and we're fearful basically of everything. And remember the great line from June, Fear is the mind killer. And I see people today, their minds are dead. They are walking around in a state of constant fear. You see people sometimes, and I'm not passing a judgment on people who do or don't take the needle. That is not my point here. Because I think people from both sides will be part of the future. And there are people who have not taken the needle that will not be part of the future. So that is not a defining part of this. I want to make that clear. Right. And I'm not involved right. in that part. What I am involved is I am the spokesperson for these objects. They've made it clear to me they want those people who did this before to come back again and they want others to come back again. We want to flood this planet with positive, caring, loving energy for half an hour and that will make a difference. I'm not sure roughly how it's going to happen, but then I've got to be honest, we weren't sure last time, were we? No, we, we weren't. And we're not guaranteeing that we're going to have a, a, a spaceship flying over Uluru. We're not going to guarantee that Uluru is going to explode because it's been turned on. The original people went, and remember this, ladies and gentlemen, they closed the, the rock on that day and the next day and banned everyone from entering, and all the people were there were thrown out and told not to come back. That ceremony took place and they turned the rock on. It is running now. It doesn't have to be an original ceremony anymore. They've done their bit. They've turned it on. It is up to us as a global community now to keep that rock running. And whether it wants a recharge or whether it wants to become even more powerful, I'm not sure what they want. That wasn't given to me. I'm basically the messenger. I'm not the creator of this, and I don't understand what's going on. But I'm now prepared to accept because we did it last time. That is given. Now they want us to do it again and a third time. And note, ladies and gentlemen, there was no mention of a fourth time. My understanding is after that third time, if we aren't within weeks, we're in days when the change will take place. That's my understanding, but that's not a directive given to me. That's just my deduction about the fact because they made it very clear this would be the second one and we need to do it again. Now, what we're going to make clear is, number one, there's no way, there's no form as to how you do it. If you want to sing and chant for those 20 minutes, do it. If you want to play music for that time, do it. But make sure whatever you're doing is steeped in positive love and positive vibrations. You don't have to be a great meditator to make positive thoughts just cover your head for 30 minutes. And my comment is this, it doesn't matter whether it worked, and I said that last time, how does it hurt where millions of people give this energy into the planet? It's a good thing irrespective of what happens, but we know that Uluru has come alive and we know that all the sacred sites in the globe 
are now pulsating and they're building up. As Phoebe pointed out, there have been times when the Schumann resonance, was it for 24 hours, just went off the chart and couldn't be measured? And that's yep. happened again, yep. hasn't it? Yep. yep. It has become so strong that we've got no, nothing on this planet that they could even measure it. So we know this is happening. And they've asked for our input. Because remember this, ladies and gentlemen, the story in this ceremony is we are the ones that created the mess and we are the only ones who can solve the mess that we've created. When you foul up your own nest, you alone fouled it up, you fix it up. We've done that, we've started the equation, but now we've got so many people now that are good people, really good people, but lost in a sea of misinformation, of lies, of manipulation, of yep. world leaders now that are showing themselves in the future, I'm going to swear to you, hundreds of years from now, they're going to say to people, how could they have chosen the leaders they had that led up to this? We've got the worst leaders in the world ever. I'm not going to mention names because it's so <laughs> obvious who they are. Don't worry. Australia's got one of them too. Don't worry. We're up the top there. Don't you worry about that. You might think you've yeah, got some bad news I don't think there's a country untouched. And I don't think oh, there's a mate. country untouched by maybe Iceland because they overthrew their government. <laughs> yep. Every one of them is the same. So it doesn't matter what face we're talking about because they're all, all of our leaders now are not leaders anymore. They're puppets of a regime that's falling apart. So the rocks, the rings, the pendants, the bones have stood together and told me that we as a group, as a global community, need to take control. But this is must be, and I've got to make the point, if you become involved in this, lay your spears down. It's very important when you do this that you don't take any anger, any frustration, any resentment towards what's been said and what's happened, whether you've taken the needle or not. That is not important here. You are to lay that all aside and like we did last time, clean yourself up. If you need an hour and a half, two hours first to do that, then fine, do it. And the good news is, the very good news is, Leonard, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere that last time were doing this in incredibly poor times during the night, You've got the sunlight and you've got the day in Australia. We're the ones. We're the ones that are suffering. It's three o'clock in the morning. Right. We're I the ones that, who are paying I said our dues. Evan earlier today when he gave me, he asked if I would uh, if I would uh, uh, broadcast as well, and he gave me the time, and I was like, "Wow, you guys are going to be up like late or really early." Oh, it's three in the morning, mate. We're three suffering this time. Yeah. yeah, we were. We were saying to the others, oh, look, it must be really tough for you, but I didn't really feel that much. I just thought, it's a great day here. We're doing fine. Right. I'm sitting at Uluru at this time, and I've got 300 people around me all meditating. We're doing sweet here, and it was about, what, 32 degrees, 31 degrees at that yeah, time? evening, gentle yeah, breeze. Gentle breeze. Everything was fantastic for us, and after that, we all had dinner, and we had a great time. We spoke. It was wonderful. This time we've got to pay our dues. And we looked at it. We're talking at it. Even when we put it up, we thought, should we sneak it in so we get out of it easily? No. We're suffering this time. But, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I will be talking for half an hour about this to try and get people to spread this because, honestly, there's no way. I know last time we did have contact from the ABC, didn't we, Evan, for a while? And there was one journalist that swore they'd get it up. And I thanked them in advance and told them in advance, it's just not going to happen. 
and it didn't and it won't happen this time either so we can't use any normal stream to get this out what i'm going to say to people is that everyone that's listening to this now i'm going to put it to you right now that you spoke before G uh, about jesus and the 12 disciples well i want to put it to you this time we've got a different jesus which is the rock which is the earth itself and we are the disciples and there's more than 12 of us and what we have to do over the next month i would have given you prior warning but it only came to me then is that we've got to go out and tell other people you've got to go out and tell people join in now what we're going to suggest is you join in and, and list up through our thing and through the, the venues we've got like leonard and omar and others you've got to put your name down so we can put you in this to make it live okay so this time you do have an anchor and the anchor is that we will have our camera fixated on that circle okay even when i'm talking i will not change the angle so you can see me because that'll do everyone a favor we don't want my ugly face there anyway <laughs> we've got all these other things there i don't want to sully it with me being there but the point being we're going to give you an anchor if you want to send meditation to those rocks don't you worry seven of those rocks actually i did ceremonies with them the day before that ceremony i took them to the rock and i took them to a men's site a women's site and a family site and made sure there was a strong connection with those seven rocks and those seven rocks will be in the circle and set them aiming directly at uluru or if you wish you can go to the place that you went to before if you did that before go to the same place during the daytime and then do the same thing you did before and aim at that sacred site because every sacred site in the world has song lines and they run to all the other sites like a spider web and in the middle of that spider web is uluru so wherever you aim you will get it there but i'm going to make the same rule as before the one rule they've told me that stays the same as this wherever you do it you must have contact with nature whether it be and someone made this point today and it's a good point whether you hold a rock in both your hands that will do it whether your feet are in the ground that will do it whether you wrap yourself around a tree that will do it but if you sit in a high-rise building seven stories up in concrete and you think that will do it it won't you must be in contact with the planet because uluru is sitting in dirt it is sitting in the earth it's not sitting in a high rise it's not sitting on top of a bridge and everything on this planet is interconnected the only thing that breaks it is when you put plastic or concrete on top of it because then there's a shield that stops it so you must make some form of contact even like i've just said if you put two rocks in your hand then you are in contact that will work put your feet in the ground whatever but somewhere or another please ladies and gentlemen if you can find the time try it and do it because i believe this is important so this is why i wanted to cut in very quickly and i'm going to stop after that because i don't want to override that with just that story but it's an important story and it's going to happen within a month and the more you can spread this around to other people and then they can come and join us and remember it is free you don't pay a cent now for the conference we're doing we don't charge much there and as everyone knows we share it equally amongst all the participants it doesn't come out to be much 
And it certainly helps Evan and Leah, who are on our group, that don't have any job. They lost their jobs when this word that I won't say came around. <laughs> um, so that we don't talk about that, but that they need that anyway. And most of the people, I mean, next time around, we're going to have all Blackfellas here again telling their stories and their yarns too. And they'll be reporting it after the event. This mob we have now, the people we chose this time around, I didn't know this is what we were doing, but we're setting up that event as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's an open invitation. It's free to join us. And I honestly believe, last time I said, I think it's going to work. I'm prepared to say this time, I know it will work. Please join us. Right, I agree. We put a banner back up for people to see. Um, I wanted to show what Omar was saying there because Omar had some really good um, com uh, comments there. So let me put the banner back up so you guys can see what we're talking about. Oh, I'm in the wrong spot. My bad. I apologize for that. So here's the here we have the uh, event that's coming up this weekend, the 27th if you're in America, the 28th if you're in Australia. There's the dates and times and the cost uh, to get in and see uh, the, the conversation that we're kind of alluding to here. And all of us are going to be bringing different aspects and areas of basically the same whole conversation that, uh, that all of us, you can tell, we, we sort of outlined that as we, as we went along uh, here for you guys to see what we, were, what we were talking about. Now, I want to go back around the room. Let's start with Dr. Rita again. Do you have any more comments uh, or anything to, to add? I mean, uh, between myself and, and uh, uh, Stephen, we talked for quite a while there. <laughs> so, well, so I do uh, apologize. We get winded and we get, we get going, right? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so, I mean, it'll, you know, it's just interesting how we're just kind of bouncing off of each other. Because, Steve, you know, what you just talked about really is kind of the foundation of what I'm going to be talking about on yeah. sat Saturday, my time. Yeah. Sunday, your time. Yeah. Um, except on a more technical level and about what people can do to kind of shift that energy so that they can find that peaceful place, you know, and be in the present moment and approach that ceremony. So I think that this is going to work out really perfect. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, just listening to everybody that what we said and then everything that Stephen just said, he went back around and he tied every little bit and every piece of all three of uh, all four of us or, or them uh, himself as well. So really all of us here on the screen, he, he literally just went back right around, didn't he? And he kind of looped right back around and everything that all of us are individually going to talk about. He just touched on somewhere in there. So it's very interesting how how that kind of works where we didn't plan that. Uh, but that's just kind of what happened, right? I mean, that's kind of cool that we did that with the roundtable. Uh, let's go to Paul and Phoebe. Do you guys have any more to add to uh, anything that Stephen said or, or that Rita said or that I said? Um, yeah, just, just again, going back to what we've all been talking about, um, you know, uh, how can I say this? A long time ago, I used to do a lot of public speaking. And, and one of the things that I used to bring up in my conversation was an old movie and some of you will have seen it before and others probably haven't. Um, but it was called The Never-Ending Story. Good story. Right? <laughs> that has stuck with me my whole life. <laughs> and one of the reasons is I came back from the supermarket uh, last night and I said to Phoebe that this, there's nothing out there. People are soulless. There's no energy and, and, and there's no life in their eyes. And if you go back to that movie, there was a young boy that went into a, 
into a library, an old bookstore, and he he found this book and he fell into it. And he ended up in this kingdom where he was led then to defend and help to bring that energy back because the nothing was consuming their wealth. Right. And, and how apropos that is to what's going on in our planet right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and this is this is the point. I think that we were blessed to have witnessed throughout our lives so much magic, so many things coming together, intense uh, power throughout nature and all the places that we visited. Um, and I'm not going to go into many of the stories, but I will say that there was one moment in our last journey, which was into the Amazon, and we were with a, a Machiganga shaman. We had four or five days with him. And we were doing ceremony for water. We were doing ceremony for fire. We were doing ceremony for earth. And we did a ceremony for nature. So every morning, we would hear the howler monkeys come in, and they'd come in like a freight train. They were so loud. And they'd come around the village, and then they'd move through the jungle on on mass and then every evening they would come through and they would do the same thing uh, and that was just a given that's what they did sunrise and sunset and then we sat with this man and we did a ceremony for nature in the middle of the day and the howlers came in and they sat all around the village where we were and he said you hear that that's nature responding yep it's right? beautiful so we have that power. We have that magic. We need to bring it back now and reestablish it on this beautiful planet. And this is, yeah, this I think has a lot to do with the theme that we're talking about today. And Agreed. We're talking about on Sunday too. Yes. Yeah. Is, is, um, yeah, stepping out in trust. Get out of the logical mind. <laughs> Logic is a box. Right. You know, I've I've often I want to I want to further a little bit about um, of what Paul said with the, the reference to the movie. I have learned over time, and I've talked about this several times, uh, and we talked about this when we did the, um, the promo to check for the show on Crowdcast the other day. Uh, we kind of got going on that. Uh, so many of the stories, books, movies, and just everything that we have in the world that come from different time periods, especially out of the 40s, where you have Tolkien writing that entire genre at the same time you had Ray Bradbury starting his entire genre, Philip K. Dick starting his entire genre, and many other writers that wrote these incredible science fiction uh, uh, epics and uh, poems and songs that the 40s, the late 30s, early 40s, the changes, I think, have gone unnoticed by people. They talk about 20, you know, 2000. They talk about 2012. Then they talk about 2014 and how we made these jumps in 1969 and again in, in the 2000s as a species. But, but they kind of overlook this pioneering time that gave us these storylines. Look at Orson Welles and all of the stories. That, and that was in the 30s and 40s as well. And that really set the tone for the imagination of everyone all the way up until now. But these movies cover so much more. It's almost like reading the Dead Sea Scrolls when you look at it and then you realize and you go back, like you said, with the never ending story. That's really the story of the human race. Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, especially at this time. Yeah. Especially at this time. So then if you look at a lot of other stories like Star Wars and that whole uh, ideology 
again, we're starting to realize, like I had said just earlier about the the uh, mitochondrials and their connection to what we would call the that grid that is gravity. We now know that that grid is the communication highway for the entire universe. And if you look at the opening credits of my show during the song, I show you a brain cell next to a picture of the universe, and they're identical other than the universe has a billion more pathways than our human brain cell does because it's a billion times more complex. But it still almost looks identical. And that's scary when you think about that because that would suggest the possibility that we are in the mind of the creator mm-hmm. like different mm-hmm. prophecies have told like the law of one where raw says imagine you're a thought a daydream of the creator mm-hmm. right so that would suggest that everything that we do has that narrative in there somewhere and the more i look at that when you have the bible code when you have all of these you look at a, any book or movie if underneath and in between the lines, there is that never ending story being told that applies to us. The whole Star Wars movie, the whole Matrix uh, genre, everything, man, right? Yeah. You look at those, the Dune saga. If you look at those from a spiritual aspect instead of just a sci fi aspect, you see they're trying to warn us about what either has happened or is happening. Am I just crazy or do you guys agree with that? Yeah, we do. What Paul and I used to do was go to the movies all the time to see what they were trying to tell us. Yeah, mm-hmm. other than the story. I know that here in America, when they in the last 10 years, they made many of the uh, character when that when they made the superheroes, they changed the storyline to actually paint Superman as the Jesus Christ character. As that that savior character or that hero character that uh, that we talked about, uh, uh, Evan and I talked about. That's the hero of the of a thousand faces by uh, by um, uh, he, he's going to pull the book out. He'll, he'll put it up here. He did that last time when we with Joseph Campbell, a hero of a thousand faces. Joseph Campbell also he first, so I can't say also because he did it first, and then I just continued with it. That he figured out this mythos. And all these storybooks were telling the same story, and that's why he wrote his novel, A Hero of a Thousand Faces. And I grew up learning about that and watching him talk about that and reading that. And obviously, Stephen and Evan owned the book. And you can see how thick it is because of the content. And now when you apply that, and that's why I love that Paul applied that to the never-ending story. I know I'm going on and on here about that. I would love to hear more from you guys of, of what you think about that. Let's start with Rita and have her opinion and we'll go around the house here and we'll end with uh, Stephen and Evan and that way I don't continue talking. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Wasn't expecting that. But... Um, I know. I do that. I throw a bone at unexpectedly, right? You know, so one of my major positions is, is that when you look at world myth, what you discover if you start comparing them side by side is that there is one global narrative. You know, so when you're talking about the gods, when you're talking about the weapons of the gods, when you're talking about the stories of the gods, it's like they are pretty much all the same. Um, Now, there are local narratives that you find, but they're very geographically isolated. But then there is this whole base of stories that circumvent the globe. And so when you sit there and you start talking about a hero with a thousand faces, it just seems apropos because again, when you look at these storylines, they're consistent. They talk about the same people, they're referenced in the same way. And I'll just give a very quick example. 
you know, so when you think of uh, the god Zeus, the Greek god Zeus, you know, he's portrayed as being a white Caucasian, Caucasian right. man <laughs> with a beard. Kind of looks like you, Leonard. He throws out lightning bolts or some kind of ray emitting weapon. You have some ray emitting weapon. But if you take those characteristics and come to the Americas, you know, one of their main gods was a Caucasian gentleman with a beard. And right. one variation of that main god has his lightning weapon. Um, you know, and so you find the same characteristics tied to them, you know, and it's not just physical characteristics, there's emotional characteristics or, you know, like Zeus lived in the sky. And so if you sit there and go, okay, well, this guy is associated with the sky. So what weapons does he have? And you can sit there and find bits and pieces that tie them all together. And so, you know, in my opinion, you know, the stories that come forward, there were only a handful of gods. Um, I do not think they're archetypal, archetypical, archetypal, whatever that word is. Um, archetype. But they were based on characters, or at least the original stories were based on characters, and that created the archetypes, and those move forward in time. Uh, you know, that's I would have my to story, agree. and I am yeah. sticking with it. No, no, I have to agree. I'm going to cover a lot of that in the uh, on the weekend when we do the show. I'm going to be talking about and comparing exactly that and talking about the Hero of a Thousand Faces and then showing you uh, in each religious background or each Talmud background across the time that we have, even from the Dead Sea Scrolls and from the Coptic Scrolls and the Gnostic Gospels and all of that, 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 is, that that's the comparison that is true, that it, it all leads to the same point. Uh, so I'm going to get involved in that. It's funny that you say that. So let's Let's go to um, to Paul and Phoebe, and now Paul, you started this with your analogy, so run with it, baby. <laughs> Do you have anything more to add? Uh, we were talking about well, just just one other thing that I think could potentially help people it, it, um, with their lives and with their path, and, and knowing that we always say there's no spare people on the planet. That doesn't how that's not how the Creator works. So we're all here either to witness or to become part of something or to, to follow a particular destiny. So then I would say to people, people would say to me, well, how do you know you're on path? And I have to say, well, do you know when you're not on path? What does that feel like? And they go, yeah, it feels horrible. You know, things aren't working too well and, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not just not happening. So it's the opposite. So then the clue for people that I could leave them with is that you begin to follow, and I know Joseph Campbell talked about following your bliss. In, in that state, we know that the cells of our body vibrate at a higher level when we're excited. And we all get excited about different things. And we have different impulses that, that, um, that we can move with or not move with. But when we're following that joy, when we're following that vibrational um, high that we get, it's because you're firing your coatings off. It's your life force telling you you're on track. Keep moving in this direction. Watch the doors open now and see what happens and get out of your own way. So, yeah. Right. Agree. Phoebe, what, do you have anything more to add? Um, no, not really. 
No, it's all right if you don't. <laughs> it's all right if you don't. We've we've really gone down a rabbit hole here, right? So let's let's go around to, to Steve and Evan. Anything to add to that? Yeah, it actually relates to Paul and Phoebe, actually. Um, we're talking about the fact that um, our narratives, um, that the line between fiction and fact blurs when we talk about narratives, and I'm thinking of one in particular, which they're going to show for the first time on film, and they know what we're talking about too. Can't give away too much. We can't give away too much, so I'm not going to describe what I am going to describe is there's been another incidence of this. In Australia, we have a story a fictional story, according to the experts, about the rainbow serpent. It's not real. I mean, there's no such thing as a big thing like that. But we saw a, um, a film about two years ago, wasn't it, Evan, mm. up in the Northern Territory or maybe even Cape York, some in that area, where there were all these original people and there was this massive surge in the water in a creek of this thing that was a oh, it was about 30 metres long and it was about two metres across and it wasn't quite breaking the surface but it was pushing up the water into a hump and everyone there was screaming out, it's the rainbow serpent, he's come back, he's come back. Now, the scientists would say, no, no, it's a... Um, Mass hysteria. No, no, okay. they'd have to say that the bulge was something. Oh, even. No, yeah. Swamp gas. Four Swamp crocodiles. Gas. Swamp oh, gas. Yeah, that's a good balloon. one. Swamp gas. Four, four or five crocodiles in a line together, not breaking the surface. Swamp but gas reflecting off Venus. Yeah. <laughs> What about, a, what about a Cessna that's underneath the radar? Oh, that's right, a Cessna. That's what we're told about that underneath the radar. But what's interesting <laughs> is that um, Paul and Phoebe spoke about the fact that when their computer went down, and Paul, I remember Paul telling me this, their computer broke completely. They were both saying there was one thing they wanted to save and they both prayed that they would find it and would come back. I'm not going to steal too much of their thunder, but what <laughs> no, I am going to say was that Today, just before I saw you, Leonard, I actually saw what they saw and what they filmed. And I'm not nice. going to say more than that because we don't want to give too much away. Right. But what I am saying is that when you everyone talks about how some of this science fiction, much most science fiction is given to the authors in their dreams, I can tell you that now I've read that story, even Doctors, uh, yeah. Dr. Spock was given to join Green Rodman. He was channeled that. He well, said that, didn't the, he? The guy that wrote the Conan series, it was given to him by Conan standing at the end of his bed. Oh, yes, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So these things happen. Well, these things actually happen. And I'm going to say that if for no other reason, if you spend the $27 and you get to see that film, you won't forget it because I certainly won't because I put my sceptical, logical head on when I saw this straight away and I'm trying to think of explanations that would dis to, to would dismiss what I saw as some sort of natural phenomena and I'm sure because I'm a teacher I was brought up in schools and conditioned through schools it's still there and I spent five minutes trying to think of a way of explaining what it could be that isn't what it is and I gave up because it is what it is well, and it's interesting yeah, and yeah. they will talk about it in a lot more detail, but I would that's one of the reasons, not the main reason. In fact, I didn't know at the time they had this, but we put them on last for that. Well, it turned out that way anyway. You must have a look at that because there's another in, piece of story where we've got a fictional story about a massive snake that forms the land and creates the spirituality of original people. And everyone says, a snake? 
Snakes aren't that smart. They can't do that stuff. Mm. Well, I can tell you, we listened to the people on the side of the river when they saw that, and everyone knew exactly what it was. They knew exactly what it was. Well, guess what? There's another film coming up on Sunday, and it's the same thing, but it presents itself in a different way, and it's more graphic. And that's all I'm prepared to say about that. So truth and fiction do collide, particularly when it's the mystical and the science fiction, because there is no difference. So, yeah, there's magic in the air, and there was magic in that water. And I'm sure they'll be showing that because Evan's got it loaded up now, so it's ready to go. I've so got to it's say, sort Steve, of like. Got to say, Stephen, that we've sat with that photo for probably 12 years at least, and there'd probably be maybe four or five people that we've shown. We've kept that so safe and so sacred because of the meaning behind it. Um, mm. And I tried to contact uh, our elder, the clever man in, in uh, Pichinjara country in the desert. Uh, couldn't get a hold of him. But because these, these photos did turn back up and we tuned in, th this is the moment. This is I the time. I think it is, mate. And I think it's an important moment because, remember, we are also talking about that ceremony. And what I'm saying is that the rainbow serpents are alive now. Mm. They've come back. Mm. And they're waiting for this change and they're part of the change. And you guys have film of them stirring. And it's really important people understand there's magic on this planet. In fact, this planet, I believe, is one of the most magical planets in the cosmos. And that is the reason why the uh, aliens have come here. And the other reason they came here was for that ceremony. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out why they're here, Paul and Phoebe are going to give you a lovely little snippet of one of the reasons they came here. They came here to learn. This is something people don't quite get. Everyone seems to think that we are the kids in kindergarten. They come along and they know everything and we know nothing. My elders made it very clear to me when the Pleiadians came here the first time, it was in a concord through an agreement that both would benefit from this. And that's really what's very important. We have as much to teach them as they have to teach us. The problem is our skills are in magic and mysticism, and that's been stolen off us, and right now, not stolen, it's been hijacked. Yeah, They're yeah. trying, as Paul said, there are people walking around now where their soul is over here. There's a cord that's hanging on there, but it's just right over there because it's not welcome inside anymore. The body and the, the owner of that soul that says, I don't believe in you anymore. I don't want you. I just want to live in fear. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Paul and Phoebe have a, a film, a great piece of film. It's up there with Uluru exploding. It's up there with the UFO going across and the clouds changing, all that sort of stuff. It's empirical evidence at the end of the day that people need because right now people are suffering and because we are so conditioned, we have to give them things that are empirical and once we get that empirical in there, then we can open up the magical side. And this is a lever in. And Paul and Phoebe, I believe it was needed to be shown now. And once it's out there, I believe it will spread. And if for no other reasons, ladies and gentlemen, tell your friends. It's only $27, but you get to see something you've never right. seen before. And you get Australian dollars too. So yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> nice dollars. one, Evan. <laughs> oh, right. That doesn't mean much overseas. I think it works out to be less than 13 pounds actually uh, in England. So it's really not that expensive by comparison. But what you're looking at, ladies and gentlemen, 
I've the rational mind did five minutes on it. And in the end, it said, I give up. I walk away. There's nothing I can give you now. It is what it is. And I think it's an important time it turns up. So, yes, we talked about, you brought it up, Paul, the fiction, the fictional stories of the past. And one of them is the dreaming story of the rainbow serpent. If you think of the original people, that is one of the strongest stories we have, along with the seven sisters from the Pleiades, of course, and the rainbow serpent. They are the only stories that go to every tribe in Australia without exception. Every tribe knows of the Seven Sisters and every tribe knows of the Dreaming Serpent. That's just the two things that bind all original myths, stories and religion together. Well, they're both back. And when they come back, they're back for a reason. So please, I, I love that you brought up that fact about the, the stories and the films you've seen. Well, there's a film coming up. It only goes for about, what, a minute or half a minute or so? Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, yeah, it's a little one but it's just as dramatic as never-ending story because this one mm. this one has a conclusion to that never-ending story, and that's really important. Well, you know, I wanted to, to reiterate, go back a little bit to what you were talking about when we were talking about the, like, uh, Conan uh, channeling his uh, his stuff, <clears throat> the, you know, the, when, when the guy who wrote Conan. Um, when asked, there's an interview that I, it's actually, I think I have it posted on Ancient Aliens Worldwide, but... It'd be hard to find. I'd probably have to get it for you. Interview with Nikola Tesla, where he said the same thing, that all this information, where did you get this from? How did you come up with these equations? He says, I got it from up there. It came to me that way. And I just watched, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, Adele did her one night only in Los Angeles last weekend. And I watched, she was being interviewed by um, Oprah Winfrey. And Adele said, because she said, where do you get your, you know, inspiration for uh, the songs that you write? And she said, well, this everything has been about, that's why her albums were called 19, 21, 25, and now 30. It was about her life then. However, she said, when I'm writing my songs, she says, that's not me. I'm getting that from a higher source. She said, when I sing as well. She said, I'm not that talented in real life. But when I sing, uh, that is channeling. That's coming from a higher source. And that's higher source singing through me. And the songs that I write are the same thing. So all over the world, people are saying that they, you know, when I do this, it was channeled to me. When I wrote, I wrote three books and every single one of them, I, I didn't think up. I had, I had this download in my head and I was watching a movie and I was typing what I saw. And, and that's the truth of it. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And then all of a sudden it's playing out in my head. So is that my subconscious writing it? I believe that I was channeling it from somewhere else. So th this happens and I, this is why I think getting back to what Paul started when we we're talking about the movie, I believe this happens more often than people realize. And I yes. think that yeah. all of everything, literature, everything, if you look at it, songs, poems, stories, books, everything, I think if you look at it from that standpoint, you'll be able to read in there that we're actually telling ourselves something over and over and over and over again that is akin to the, the knowledge you need to actually wake up. Right. Am I wrong in that? What do you guys think? Anybody have anything to say about that? One thing I'd like to add very quickly. I, I actually heard the, I saw the end of that Adele uh, piece with Oprah and I was shocked because I've never listened to her work at all. I've never heard a sing. I knew of her, but I've never heard a sing. Well, I always had, um, I was muse friend described to me that there's a musical scale of sadness. One being, you know, quite light 
and then it all goes all the way up to Adele being the most sad. But you know what was interesting about that? That's true. But what blew me away was that when she spoke and when she sung, I could not believe that speaking voice could sing like that. It was so different. The right. way she spoke was the, the, the tone of a voice, yep. the, the accent in a voice, and it, it was like there was a completely different person singing the speaking. I could not put this. The first time I've heard an artist, and I've had a lot to do with music a long time. I used to be workers as a writer with different bands. I've never heard such a disconnect between what she said when she was speaking, the way she sung. I kept thinking, she's got to be miming this. It can't be her voice. So when she says it comes from up there, I'd like to add to it. I think her voice isn't hers either, man. I think that's been given it from someone else. Because yeah, she said that exact same thing. That that's what she said. But I can't sing that good in real life. When I sing, that's coming from no, up there. She couldn't. Yeah. Not with that voice, mate. She sung yeah, like she's that. She's got the thick, so cockney West, West London accent, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> very much so. Really thick. And then all and, of a sudden, she starts singing like an angel. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. She does, and she speaks not like I'm not going to say she don't speak like an angel, but she sings like one. Right. And I can't work out. I said to my wife at the time, we both said the same thing. We'd never heard it before. We both could not work out how it was humanly possible to have that speaking voice and that singing voice. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I, I don't doubt for a sec, but I think she might underestimate what's coming from up there. I think everything is voice and lyrics and music. no she said that honestly, voice and lyrics she got all that credit to coming from up, up there she says i'm not that smart to write those songs that way and i'm not that good to sing that way she said this is all from up there every I bit of my talent and yeah. i i was like wow i i've been a fan i've been a fan of hers for i don't know i think the first time i saw the video uh uh, someone like you. So that was what her second or third album. That was her 21, I think, album. Uh, and that's when I found her because I'm over here in America I, and I'm a big fan. And I didn't know that about her until she said that on that show. And I looked at it and went, wow, because I oh, believe no, it. It's right. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely the, right. The first... I have no doubt that, 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 that there's something else involved in that. And that's an empirical observation. I wasn't using um, any spiritual um, relationship there. I was just making an empirical observation of the noise that came out of your mouth when you were speaking yeah. and the noise that came out of your mouth when you talk, when you were singing and they yeah. are not the same voices. No, there's something different going on with that woman in relation to that voice because she's got a stunning voice. I'm not that wrapped in the, the, the songs themselves. One of them I rather liked the one I didn't, but irrespective of that, but I could not believe what was coming out of her mouth when she sung. So yeah, I, if you told me that, that would be the only explanation that makes sense to me, mate. Because right. I was when you said that straight away, I still had this disconnect because I just could not believe. <laughs> I thought there was a milli vanilli going on here somewhere or other. Right? No, it wasn't. Oh, now, Paul and Phoebe, Paul and Phoebe have something to add. They've been trying to get in, yeah. so you guys go oh, ahead. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we just went our way in there somewhere. Um, you got to jump in between Stephen and I. We get talking. You oh, got to raise your hand. And let I me know. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say that the, the, I know that the First Nations people of the US uh, talk about song catching. Yeah. So right. when a song comes to them, they catch it from the ether. They, they don't make it up. They don't create it themselves. It's good floating call, out there right? and, and they bring it in. You know? Very good call. You're right. right. That's, that's, how that's native, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't know the song. It's given to them. Someone says, where did this song come from? And I always say the same thing. Oh, it's given to me. Yeah, yeah you're right about that. Well, it's happened to her. 
So yep. she must have a connection there. There must be a spiritual part to that woman that yep. we don't know about because you can't get that connection unless you linked up. Well, and, and, and she said that, that you know this whole all of her albums really were her uh, is her awakening and, and thirty is her dark night of the soul. So now she's very awake and understanding, and that's why she was like, "Yeah, none of this is me." <laughs> but I think a lot of people, up until fairly recently, didn't really have the vocabulary. I mean, I've been working right. as a psychic professionally for over thirty years, and you know, it was taboo. You know, yeah. talking about ghost hunting was taboo. And now you tell someone, oh, well, yeah, I do ghost hunting. They're like, oh, really? What happened? <laughs> um, and right. so the idea of someone tapping into their intuition or channeling is just much more, ex you know, there's the acceptance level, but there's also more dissemination of if this happens to me, this is what it's called. And so I think more people can validate what's going on inside of them versus um, just going, oh, well, that's interesting or that's just really weird or whatever, mm -hmm. and just ignoring it and blowing it off. You know, again, it gives them something to anchor that to so yeah. that they yeah. can own it. Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's a good point. Just I agree going, with that. Just going back to the, the uh, movie about the song catches, um, there was a movie that, I think it is actually a movie, and they were was something that it said there's no song that's never been sung there's no word that's never been said right i was i've heard that a version of that and no story is, is is yeah no story or every story that there is to tell has already been told mm -hmm. every song that there is to sing has already been sung yeah uh mm -hmm. yeah the same it's just a different version of that and that, yeah. that's very i think that's very native um i had a very being um european uh the had the druid background and the native american background are almost identical and we talked about a little bit about that uh when we were doing the test for the show because they've proven that with the dna so when i got you know born i'm born here in america and i'm uh, I'm a, but i'm a european by by descent and i discover that i'm five percent native american i start to when i was a kid i started to get into the whole shamanistic ideology because it was so close to the druid shamanistic ideology that they are almost interchangeable so uh, so I learned that early, that comparison, and from that extrapolated out. And um, one of the things that I learned that I wanted to further from what you were talking about with, and what Stephen was talking about with the natives, in in the capturing of stuff was the uh, the um, dream walking and being able to control the dreams, and that's a Native American shaman teaching that I learned as a kid to control your dreams. And um, in doing that, it's helped me further than I could ever imagine in my awakening by going inside to the subconscious and working on the subconscious. I didn't realize that by doing that, that's shadow work. Mm -hmm. And that uh, my whole life I was doing that and I was actually doing shadow work when I was a kid, not knowing that uh, this would become easier for me as an adult because I did it so much as a kid. And I had no idea how how that affected me until one day it was the awakening, you know, where I went, wait a minute, all the shamanistic stuff I've learned my whole life, I need now, and that's I'm used to doing it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's crazy because I was already like a step up. I, it wasn't new to me to learn mm -hmm. that. So now I integrate that when I'm working with people. I'm like, you know, people say, uh, you know, I can't shut my mind off. I can't. You need to disassociate yourself 
with your thinking mind is what's happening. Your ego is telling your mind to keep talking because you now think that's you. That's mm -hmm. not you. You're above that and beyond that. And I, and I work with them and so they can see that and find that place and realize that that's how you quiet the mind because the mind is just doing what it's told. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Right? Well, we tell our we when we want to sleep at night, we tell our soul, or we tell our body, right, we're going offline now. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's a good idea. Right? Yeah. To, you know, you have to quiet the mind. So it's like, nope, go, you know, you know, uh, what is it? A signal, uh, signal concluded. <laughs> I, I like one of the uh, quotes from Joseph Campbell. Um, heaven and hell are within us. All the gods are within us. All the gods, all the heavens, all the world are within us. They are magnified dreams and dreams are manifestations in image form of energies of the body in conflict with each other. That is what myth is. Myth is a manifestation in symbolic images, in metaphorical images of the energies, the organs of the body in conflict with each other. This organ wants this, that organ wants that. The brain is one of the organs. And that was Joseph Campbell, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. See, yeah. that man was far more wise before his time. And, you know, we, we looked at when A Hero of a Thousand Faces was originally published. And what did we say, uh, Evan? Was it, was it uh, uh, 1940? Is that what we said? Yeah, uh, I think it was in the 40s. Yeah, yeah it's in the 40s. Yeah. yeah. So, so this man who was a you know a teacher uh, at a at a college and was a professor and and uh, you know that not a lot of people know about it was wiser than most people on this planet. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm a fan, but I'm it's crazy that that nobody really you know he he, he could have been if he were younger. And having that knowledge now, I think he would be more prevalent on uh, in this society and in, in this genre than he was at the time when he was talking about it. Because like Rita said, it was taboo 20, 30 years ago to even talk about this at all, uh, any kind of spirituality uh, or mysticism here in America, at least. I don't know how it was around the world, but here in America. Well, that was a program as well that we followed and bought into. You know? Right. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. That's it was crazy. 50, 50, nearly 50, nearly 60 years ago that I was talking about all that sort of stuff as a young child. So you can imagine how people looked at me then. It was like. <laughs> right. I remember as a kid in the 70s, I was born in the 60s, late 60s. I remember as a as a small boy, uh, probably six or seven years old, and my father back then talking about UFOs. And people laughed at him like he was crazy. And now come to, come forward in time, everything my father in the 70s claimed about UFOs, people are saying as a matter of fact now. Yeah. But back then it was be quiet about that because they might take your children away from you because they think you're a cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't that just insane? But I mean, at least we've made those changes to where we are now. And, uh, you know, I would hope and we all hope here with this conference and the things that not just we're doing, but other people around the world yeah. are doing. But we, we do these events, like Stephen said, we, we don't make much money, if, if any at all. We do this. We're taking a loss. I take a, a big law, hundreds of dollars a year, thousands of dollars a year to run my operation. I don't get paid enough to cover it. So it's coming out of my pocket. Everyone does that. Right. We do that in the beginning. And if we can make ends meet doing it and then survive, we're doing good. But we but our, we do it because of the message. Right, guys, we do it because we're trying to continue the trend of awakening people's minds and opening the minds of the world. Because look at what we've come from 
and look at where we are. People, you know, we talked about COVID and how uh, it's affected people. And I think we need to remind them of uh, just how far we have come Mm -hmm. in this world. We have a lot of that craziness going on with politics and they talk about race problems. And I tell somebody, look back in time. Let's look in history. Let's look at the way things were 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, and then come to now and and try to tell me that how much worse it is now than it was then. You just can't. You just can't. Right. I'm sure there's bad eggs everywhere. There's you know what I'm saying? So you're going to have bad people do bad things. But we need to reassure the masses that we're okay. Is it just me uh, thinking that? But we're in agreement, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is that it's not worse. It's just being uncovered a lot of this stuff now. That's exactly. See that? I think good thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Because it's not as it's always been this bad, people. (laughs) Right. It's always been this bad and it's always been worse than it is now. And, And like Paul said, it's being uncovered and you guys out there in the world are seeing it for the first time and it's scaring you. Those of us that are here doing this, we've saw that first time years ago. So we already know that what you guys are just learning is par for the course, not, oh, my God, look at what they're doing. It's hideous. Yeah, they've been doing that for generations. You just never saw it, and now you can. So I think it is incumbent upon us to take kind of that stance and say, listen, it's okay, guys, because that is what they have done all the time. Don't be mad. Just look at it, see it, and then uh, come to us so we can explain to you what we've done and what we plan to do. So it saves them time of going through that process unless mm-hmm. they have to because everybody processes things in their own time period. They're at their own speed. But in some way, us just talking about it, I hope, would in some way inspire people to raise their vibration and get past it. And that's, I think, what we're all here to do, right? Yeah, it's a lot of the, what the work is to be in the future is to help people through, you know, yeah. that are ready to hear it. So what were you going to say, Rita? You were, you said you- oh, I, I just really didn't agree with what Leonard had to say. Oh, yeah. okay. I just get, you know, yeah, on some levels, you know, what's going on today has been going on for a long time, and it's just been called conspiracy theories, and it's been covered up. But, you know, in recent days, the heat has been turned up. Yeah. So even people that are in the know and have been following this stuff all along, it's it's still overwhelming. And I I joke around. It's like, okay, it's been 24 hours. What other next weird thing are they going (laughs) to pull out of the, you know, pull out of the hat? Right. Throw on the table and go here, take this, too. Um, You know, and so even though I agree on some level that it was always there and it was building, it's just really been in the last year to two years that they have taken the mask off and are going forward full force mm-hmm. and are not, they don't care. They just don't care. Well, see, what I think is, and maybe you guys have an opinion on this, but I believe that it's because they're losing, they know they're losing and oh, they're I'm in their death rolls. So this mm-hmm. is their battle of the bulge. Yep. They're trying to overwhelm people to the point of, of submission. Because they know that the dawn is about to crack and then they're going to turn to stone and they know it. So they have to try and gain control ultimately as fast as possible now because the clock is ticking and it's not in their advantage anymore. Yeah, that I agree. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, this is a university. Earth is. It's a university, a university. And we're all here to learn and we're about to graduate now. 
how are you going to graduate? Right. That's exactly, I agree with that analogy. And I usually tell people that all the time. You have to understand. And what I use is the playpen analogy that when you first get here, you're a baby soul. It's the first time that you're aware. So now you have to learn what it means to be. So you have to learn that part first. And then you have to make the choice of whether I'm going to be a good soul or a bad soul. And then you have to take the courses that you need to take that are prerequisites, right? You need to learn wisdom. You need to learn love. You need to learn compassion. You need to learn everything, including envy, hate, all of that. You have to learn uh, all of that stuff. And then you can focus on each one and you slowly get to a point where you graduate from this college, this university. But you need to understand that. So people say, but we're in a jail or in a prison. No, you're in a prison of your mind. It's just that. It's, it's everything is within you. We just covered all of that. Everything is within you to get out of this. You just have to see it, right? Yeah. So if you can Paul, see Paul it, then a, you can do it. Go ahead. Paul has a really good um, illustration that he draws for clients. And basically he draws a box and he puts little dots in it and says, this is you and this is your family. This is the world that you're in and you're in this box. And one day you, you look and you can see a door. You didn't see it there before. So you open that door. And he, he's drawing this for his clients and, and you walk out and you see this huge world out there. Then you go back down in and you try to tell people in there, but they still can't even see the door, let alone walk outside the door. So uh, they've got they, no point of reference to what you're trying to teach And, and right. they can't see that huge wave that's coming. Well, that's absolutely true. And the reason for that is because we all are here at different times and different places in our development. So you're absolutely right. And the hardest thing I think that I have noticed is just exactly what Paul's talking about for the person who sees the door and is able to open the door and look out is to understand that it's okay that those people that your family members or anybody in your world doesn't see what you see. We tend to try to force it and we go, why can't you see you're asleep? You need to wake up. It's not their time. We have to get to yeah. that point. And once yeah, we've we got to give them that, that time to evolve. And, yeah. Right? Say that again, Paul, please. Sorry. What? Paul, repeat what you said. I was talking over you. I wanted the, the people to hear what you said. Just no, so. I, I absolutely agree, Leonard. And, and it is, um, you know, we, when you have your eyes open, you want to help everybody. And you, we've really, we've realized in our clinic, there's so many times you work with people and they've gone off and done their own thing and, and, we just had to let it go because it, it isn't their time and they have to evolve. Yeah. The, the, just the knowing that hopefully you planted a seed that will grow later on down the track, but you, you, you're not attached to that and it's none of your business what they do with the information that you give them. That's up to them. You know? Right. Agreed. If you look, I've noticed, I know I'm occupying a lot of time, but I've noticed that um, when you look at all the prophets and you read all of the texts from around the world, you see that everybody, all the characters talk in parables. And the reason they do that is just for that purpose, because people are in different places in their development. You, you can give the audience that's already awake, you can give them a pep talk and they're going to cheer with you, but they, they don't need it because they're already awake. Yeah. Right. So then you have, then you have the people who don't know those things. Right. So because of that, we have to then try to talk to them at that level. And then how do we do that? So, so we got to hit this range of everything to try and uh, bring people in, but also understand some people are just going to think you're crazy 
and that uh, <laughs> that they're not going to listen to you, right? That's okay. So we are going to wrap up. Rita was asking about that earlier, so we are we are going to wrap up. So quickly, right? I'm going to start around the room, and we'll go Rita again. Rita, give them information. We didn't do this yet, so give everybody information where they can find you and your stuff. If you have a website, if you have a page, or whatever. Give everybody in the world uh, that information really quickly. Then we'll go to, to uh, Paul and Phoebe, and then we'll end with Stephen and Evan, okay? Sure. My webpage is soulhealer.com, S-O-U-L-H-E-A-L-E-R.com, soulhealer.com. And I have been working feverishly, well, trust me on this, for like the last three weeks doing all of these updates and cleaning it up and <laughs> updating articles. So stop by and help my little... Google presence because it's just frustrating. Anyway, soulhealer.com on Facebook. I am Dr. Rita Louise on Facebook. Okay, Paul and Phoebe. Uh, okay, so we're marinaturaltherapy.com. And um, within that is also the website we used to have, which was Ancient Pathways. Uh, we downgraded it to a smaller uh, web page, but that will actually uh, to a, a non commercial. Web page, uh, website again and you can actually link to that and that has all our journeys on it and um, all it's that got our stuff. three books and it has our and a whole series of mp3s so inner journeys guided meditations uh storytelling metaphor based on the journeys and the, and the wisdom that, that we've we gathered learned, over the years yeah, that yeah. We learned on the way. Yeah. nice okay Stephen and evan yeah, um, if you want to find out a little bit more about us, um, we've got our main website, ForgottenOrigin.com, um, and the conferences is Our Alien Ancestry. Um, you've got a social media presence with a YouTube channel, um, which is Forgotten Origin, and then um, you can find us under Stephen M. Strong on Facebook. We've also got a big um, Facebook group as well. So, yeah, we're <laughs> definitely floating around. <laughs> online that's for sure right okay they put the banner back up so you guys can see the the show banner one more time here for those of you who are if you catch this on the mp3 file you won't have any of that information so um i'll have to put the the uh in the chat i'll put the uh, or the description i'll put the website up i'll finish that off before we go and i'll put that for the mp3 file so you guys have the website uh uh, uh in that chat so you guys if you are listening in and you can see the the description on your whatever your device is that you're listening on you can then copy and paste that uh and you guys can go and take a look at that but here on the screen and i'll tell you that in a minute but here on the screen is our alien ancestry mystical ways and historical days chapter 16 online conference which will be on this weekend it'll be november 27th if you're in america and november 28th if you're in australia the times are west coast america 2 p.m then 5 p.m. New York time at 6 a.m. Perth time or 9 a.m. Melbourne time, 26 Australian dollars. Come and join us because you're going to hear in more detail a lot of really good stuff that we are excited and want to tell you about but can't in this genre <laughs> here tell you about it, right? So you guys need to come out on the weekend and take a look and that you've seen the, the, uh, the uh, website up on the screen. So you can see uh, what we're where we're at and what we're doing, and I'll put that in the in the chat as well. 
Um, and I want to thank everybody uh, for being here, Stephen and Evan and, and Dr. Rita and, and Paul and Phoebe uh, for, for coming and, and being here. We only thank missed you, Leah, who had to go to sleep. Uh, and so she couldn't come on to talk uh, here today uh, and talk about what she's doing. But she's going to be the MC, and she also is going to be speaking. And you guys need to, uh, in fact, why don't Stephen or Evan, why don't you guys give uh, uh, the audience a little bit about uh, about Leah and what she's going to do. That way people do, we don't leave her out. You know what I mean? That way people go, wait a minute, what's Leah? Who's Leah? What's she going to do? Yeah, I'll make it very quick. Yeah. Um, very simply, um, we're of the opinion, we know it to be true, that Leah is in contact with an alien of very high wisdom and standing on the other side and chosen her and a couple of others to be sort of interlocutors. And what we've been doing, and we've done this seven times now, we write out a series of questions. I write them out. Then Leah then addresses them to Mesref, which is the alien she works with. And um, the information that comes out of it, because it sounds quite bizarre, and a lot of people might think that sounds ridiculous. Have a look at what he said. Um, the stuff he says is really way beyond my pay scale and way beyond Leah's. Some of the most, in fact, most of the times the questions I ask him, the answers are not what I expect, nor Leah either. And this time round, we're going to be asking about our other residents on this planet. I'm asking questions about animals, pets, trees, rocks, and their presence, their wisdom, and their awareness of what's going on. So we're going to we push the boundaries in different directions. And for those who think, oh, I don't think that could be true, have a listen to it first before you make a decision and listen to what he's got to say. And I can tell you now, I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk to him. And I actually approach those uh, sessions with equal amounts of um, enthusiasm and dread because sometimes I just don't have a word to say when I'm finished. I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say to that except I don't get it yet? And later on, I work it out about a week later, way beyond my pay scale. But it's quite interesting, and we do that for about 45 minutes every time at the end. We'll follow Paul and Phoebe. Great to see you there if you can turn up. Right, yes, yeah, so that's going to be exciting, guys. You want to, I put a link in the chat right there. That'll take you to the the uh, website to buy tickets and also she has the countdown there so you know when the, the event's going to start so if you click on either one of those or copy and paste that into your browser that will take you to the uh to the the event that i just put up on the screen the the uh, ancient aliens uh, or i'm sorry the ancient ancestry.net uh website uh for our alien ancestry mystical ways and historical days chapter 16 event live event so you click on that and that'll take you there and you guys have seen the banner uh, and those of you who are listening on MP3, I'll put that up on the uh, description when I put that up. So again, guys, thank you very, very much. I know Rita's in a hurry. She has to go. So I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. We went over far longer than we originally decided. Uh, <laughs> we were only going to do like an hour. Lots to talk about. Right. We had a lot to talk about. Right. So thank you guys. Uh, and, I, and I'll see you guys again on the weekend when we do the to the events, uh, but you guys don't miss this. Uh, each one is getting bigger and better and uh, more and more information comes out. And it's cutting edge stuff that you guys need to know about. And it just is just a little bit what you heard here for this time is a little tidbit. And each one of us will be talking and you'll see how all of that is going to go back in that whole cyclical circle again that has to do with mysticism, spirituality, and the world in general. All right, guys, this is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Thank you, guys. I will see you 
Uh, I might be on air tomorrow. I normally do a show on Wednesday, but I'm doing Thanksgiving tomorrow. So if I'm done, I will be on the air. If not, you guys won't see me until Friday. Join me on Friday when, and if you're here, you guys know where to find me. So I don't have to give you all my information. <laughs> if, you're, if you're seeing this, you know where to find me, right? About Friday, uh, 4 p.m. America time, West Coast America time, I'm doing uh, the alien interview still on, on week 19 of the uh, alien interview from Roswell in 1947 that quote unquote didn't happen that the government claimed didn't happen and uh and we got the information and some of it through uh you know the uh uh, uh act of, uh, of of allowing it to to come out but most of it because the woman who did the interviewing stole kept and copied uh, information and gave it all over just before her death so that the world would know about it and i'm yeah. and i'm on there breaking it down uh, and, you know, chapter by chapter, a verse by verse, line by line, explaining whether the I think the alien is lying or telling the truth. So you guys might want to tune into that. And if not, you guys can go and watch it uh, when, you know, whenever you want to see that. Okay. So thank you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody that's here. I love you guys. We all love you guys. Um, share this out, share this out, share this out. We'll see you guys on the weekend. Thanks a lot. Good